Greeting, adventure fans! Welcome to another pulse-pounding episode of Storyteller Conclave! When last we saw our intrepid heroes, Sarah and Robert, they had discovered a strange machine that seemed to be able to move through time. Spinning the strange contraption to life, the pair of storytellers were whisked away to the Roaring Twenties, a time of excitement, intrigue, and pulp adventure. Let us now join our heroes as they delve deeper into the storytelling extravaganza that is White Wolf's Adventure, Tales of the Aeon Society. Hello friends, welcome to episode 67 of Storyteller Conclave. This is a show all about helping you run the best tabletop role-playing game that you can, whether you're a new storyteller or dungeon master learning the craft, or an experienced storyteller looking to take your game up to the next level. I am Sarah. And I am Rob. <laughs> Hello, Robert. <laughs> that was fun. That was really fun. Well yeah, done. Well this done. is, uh, honestly, uh, this, today's going to be a, a system spotlight, and we've been kind of doing these on the regular. Uh, I, I actually only realized it once I started writing this one that we were doing two White Wolf spotlights back to back. Yeah, we kind of did. Uh, we're talking about World of Darkness, and now we we're did. talking about uh, at least one third of the, uh, of the, the Trinity, uh, the Aeonverse. Uh, as it is sometimes referred to, yes. um, three uh, three game systems that are intertwined with themselves, but not part of White Wolf's main line, the World of Darkness. Um, no, and definitely, I like anybody who knows about it doesn't think that, that it, like that's White Wolf. Oh yeah, says, yeah, that's White Wolf. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, so. a, a, a pretty big departure from what they were known for. Right, right. Um, and honestly, my favorite games they've ever made. But I think that happened a lot at that time period. I mean, look what Palladium did. Like they went from f- hardcore fantasy mm-hmm. to this crazy to sci-fi around that time. Yeah, yeah exactly. And then so, you know, in TMNT, in TMNT, yeah, yeah. I mean, they they it was kind of crazy how much difference. Well, they, see, they they'd done that years earlier though. Um, uh, right, Adventure Tales of the Aeon Society uh, was actually published in two thousand one. Okay, wow. Uh, the uh, the the whole Trinity, the, the whole Aeon verse actually began with Aeon Trinity. Right. Um. Uh. The, the the game was first called Aeon, but apparently there was some legal problems. Um. Because there was a uh, a property out at the time called Aeon Flux. Yes. Yes. Um. Which was a cartoon series that was done by Liquid Television yes. on MTV. Yes. And if you missed one episode, you had no idea what the hell was going on. I got news for you, buddy. Yeah. Even if you didn't miss an episode, <laughs> you had no idea what was going on. I thought it was pretty well done. Uh, but it, it was it was, well it was still amazing. The animation it was. was great. It was it was incredibly different for the time. But regardless, um, they, it was originally published under the name Aeon. Uh, mm-hmm. they, they had some legal problems with it, so they had to back it off and call it Trinity. Right. Um, and then uh, so that was a that was a, a far distant future um, sci-fi spacefaring sort of game with yeah. with uh, psionics. Right. Right. All right. of your characters were kind of super powered with psionics and mm-hmm. stuff like that, and you were fighting against these things called the aberrants, which were these awful, horrible, twisted mutant monstrosities that had superpowers and stuff like that. And essentially, your psychic dudes were originally created to fight these aberrants. Correct. Um, then White Wolf published my second favorite game, which is Aberrant, uh, which told the stories of the origins of these aberrants when they were previously known as Novas, which were super-powered humans right. that erupted these superpowers. And it was, it was, uh, if, if anybody watched the game, uh, watched the show Heroes back in the day. Yeah, yeah, that was a pretty good representation. Yeah, yeah I had, had a lot of same feelings of that, where it was like, ordinary dudes now have superpowers, and what do you do with that? You know, how does that derail your life? How does that derail the world around you? You know, um, and it asked a lot of the, a lot of good questions. Uh, the, the the recent show, I think it's on Amazon. I'm not sure which where, where it's broadcasting, but The Boys. Yes. Uh, the Boys is very much a, a story that could be told in the aberrant universe. And with the 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 dramatic tones that are involved in it the truths that mm-hmm. kind of come through that political edge the yeah. the personal gain the egos that come with the like marketing companies oh, that just want to monopolize so a superheroed person you know right right um and uh so then in 2001 uh white wolf published uh adventure tales of the an society which was a step further back which is a step further back it took place in the 1920s and it actually shows the origins of the Aeon Society itself, which right. is a common thread that actually runs mm-hmm. through all three games. Right. Um, and if you dig enough deep enough into the lore, there's actually characters that appear in all three settings. Mm-hmm. People uh, who primarily lived. the quote unquote big bad guy, but he's not really the big bad guy. There's a 
there, there's bad's there's, a relative term. Yeah, um, I don't, I don't know how much, it, how much would be spoiling to even talk about this character. We don't have to. Um, I think I kind of want to. All I right. Think, if, if nothing else, if look, if we talk about nothing else in the setting, if we're describing the setting, you need to mention uh, Doctor Primoris, aka right. Michael Donegal, aka Divis Mall. Right. Um, because he is the one, he's the, the, the catalyst for practically everything in this, in this game system happening. Yeah. From the first inception moments. And it's a really interesting story. Even if you like take nothing away from the game whatsoever, just hearing the story of Michael Donegal is Mm -hmm. like really mind blowing Mm -hmm. from the standpoint of what do you do when you get, when you get a glimpse of what the future could be with superpowers Mm -hmm. and you, you foresee the social implications of all that. Yeah. I mean the, the base reality that suddenly you now are different than everyone else to an exponential realization. Uh-huh. It is not what a comic book, or at least what comic books used to propose. It was a reality-bending thing for a person to suddenly now have power. Mm-hmm. And some of those people took that very egotistically yeah, and and selfishly. Yeah, I would say um, probably one of the best things about the system, um, or at least the the setting in the book, is all the writing that went into it. Mm-hmm. I mean, the, the, clearly the first like third of the rule book is just stories, and it's good, and it's really good stories. Yeah. Uh, some of them were actually written by Warren Ellis mm-hmm. of, uh, I believe, Watchmen fame. Yes. Um, uh, he also wrote. Uh, I think Warren Ellis was also responsible for the Castlevania. Um, uh, animation that showed hmm. up on Netflix as well. Oh, all right. I'm pretty sure he wrote that as well. Um, so for those of you who are fans of Warren Ellis, mm-hmm. uh, you want to take a look at uh, at, at the, the rule book there. Yep. Um, so what makes... Oh, Alan Moore did Watchmen. Thank you, Overwatch. Thank you. I, Thank I appreciate you, that. Um, but anyways, uh, re- regardless, it stands. The fiction is really good. Um so what makes uh, what makes adventure what it is? So it, it is actually set in the 1920s um, when uh, so you can kind of get a picture in your mind of like you know radio uh, like the television hasn't really been invented yet. Um, talkies, you mm-hmm. know, movies with actual dialogue in them were literally just on the verge of getting made yeah. around that time. Yep. Uh, I think the first color movie was just coming out. I think color and and dialogue was what happened right around the same time, if I remember correctly. Uh, um, as far as this universe, yes, they were a little less compressed in our timeline. You know, there's but, a little bit more. But as far as we're aware, it works. Yeah, you're you're just getting into like the proliferation of the motor car and stuff like that. And you know, World War One is already kind of it's just behind us, but the the scars are still a little you know still a little yeah, fresh. The, the villainy is still out there. Um, and, uh, you know, the, the, the beginnings of, uh, World War II haven't quite crept up yet. So you're still kind of in that era. Um, but, uh, most importantly though, this is when a lot of pulp fiction was told. Um, and I, when I say pulp fiction, I don't mean like the movie by, uh, by Tarantino, um, but rather the actual thing that it's named off of, um, which is the sort of cheap stories that were on this like really cheap paper um hence they they called them pulps because it was very pulpy very raw paper and low quality yeah um but the stories were often um very heroic uh but very also over the top and lots of adventure um that happened in them uh some uh notable ones are things like i mean indiana jones is definitely a very pulpy hero yeah as um, far as ones we know yeah uh, the rocketeer perfect example uh the shadow mm-hmm. the phantom yes um dick tracy oh uh, yeah. i know uh, knox in the favorites. box in yep. the chat is a huge dick tracy fan yep love dick tracy um he mentions the spider okay uh yeah I, i'm not actually familiar with the spider myself uh doc savage doc savage was huge another big one um and for a uh, for a style reference, uh, I will point out uh, Sky Captain in the World of Tomorrow. Oh yeah, that, uh, that the movie was... with Jude Law mm-hmm. and Gwyneth Paltrow, I believe. Yes, um, was I mean, oh, perfect, just mm, chef kiss. Yes, just yes, perfect style for adventure. Yeah, um, it was a little, it was a little more um, 30s, 40s style. Yeah, but it was still very, it still fits it, 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 it still very pulp well. as hell. Yeah, yeah. Um, so the the entire game system um, and the storytelling style and, and everything like that is built around this pulp style. And so the game rules are there to encourage the pulp style story, st- type of storytelling. And we'll get into the system in just a little bit. But um, so I kind of want to just talk about like a lot of people may, may not know what you're talking about with pulp. I mean, I know we just gave a lot of examples, but like what is pulp? Mm-hmm. Um, 
so it's typically over the top heroics, um, but not superheroes. Like you're definitely going to see some people doing some extraordinary things, but those people are are themselves extraordinary, but they're not super powered. Like there's no Superman here. Right. But you still may have people who are able to lift an exceptional amount or have, you know, crack shot aim or, you know, any number of things. Or, you know, uh, Batman is probably the closest to like a pulp action hero that we have. I would 100% agree. He's not a superheroed individual, but he has so many extraordinary attributes about himself. Hawkeye. While still being a quote unquote normal man. Yeah. Hawkeye. Yeah. uh, The, um,. Black Widow. Black Widow is yeah. another good example. You're trying to, I mean, and that's why Indiana Jones works so well, is that, like, literally, yes, he gets injured, but somehow he gets through things. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of the key. Yeah. And, I mean, so. some, some of these things delved into, like, mysticism, and, again, we'll we'll get into those as well. But, you know, it was never, it was never like, I can fire lasers out of my brain. You know, the shadow, the shadow knew ancient mystical arts of how to cloud men's minds. And mm-hmm. so they would... He would essentially force them to ignore him. Yeah. Um. And so he would be effectively invisible, mm-hmm. and hence the shadow. Yeah. You know. Um. But again, he's not. You, you shoot him, he dies. You know, he's nothing. He's nothing hugely special. Um. But also, uh, these are also defined by though a theme of hope. Um. There was always an overwhelming sense that the good guys were good, mm-hmm. the bad guys were bad, the villains always got their due at the end of the at the end of the story. Um, justice prevailed. The bad guys got captured or subdued, never killed. Nope. You know, you don't, you don't kill your bad guys in pulp. You know, you, you tie them up at the end and you get your good old, like, look into the camera. Oh, good thing we were here to save the day. And the villain says, I'll get you next time. And that's it. You know, um, uh, so it's different from noir, uh, in that you're still going to have those, those bold personalities, but noir also took that like dark edge. Whereas, uh, Pulp kind of looks up, noir kind of looks down. I agree. I it, agree. It's also not camp. Camp is over the top, but it's over to the top of the point of being silly. Which, like, uh, you know, uh, Scooby Doo. Yeah, is kind of is kind of campy. Is is campy version of pulp in a way because again, it's heroes being heroes. Womp, you know, womp, right? I'll yeah. get you next time. You mm-hmm. know, kind of thing. Um, and and that actually pressed into cartoons heavily mm-hmm. was that pulp turned to cartoons yeah yeah so if you if you if you're thinking you know you're starting to think of more cartoon characters yes anytime that there was you know a little more slapstick with it was it mystery cartoons that's that's pulp yeah really is what it came down to um yeah in fact uh overwatch says uh bio uh, bioshock infinite was really good pulp um yes. i agree i agree it was pretty good it was pretty good pulp um Let's hear. Uh, uh, Knox in the box says uh, villains all uh, uh, also always died by strange turns of fate, not the hero's fault. Something always just happened because crime doesn't pay. Or yeah, or it would be a twist of their own fate. Uh, you know the the mountain collapsing on them, or you know uh, right uh, as hoisted, tr- hoisted by your own petard it, was okay, but the yes. hero wouldn't kill a villain. Correct, and in some cases would try and rescue them. Sure, and like in the throes of rescue, they may die. Yeah. You know, like, oh, he's holding him, like, you know, hanging on to him as the blimp is taking off by one hand right. and the glove comes off. I'm going to I'm going to offer to save your life so you can be redeemed because there's good in everybody. And right. The, the villain might slap your hand away and say, no, I choose to, you know, go down with the ship. Right. Sort of thing. Yep. But that that's not because the hero killed him, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, so the, uh, the the overall setting for the game, though, um, it kind of takes place in an alternate universe of uh, of Earth. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's, it's not like a, you know, a, a, a different world or anything like that. Um, in this setting, uh, there is a, you know, in those ages where like rich men got together to watch science experiments and stuff like that, yes. you know, I am unveiling my new invention, you yes. know, sort of, sort of thing. We uh, have brought back Tut and we are going to take a look at his bones. Right, you know? right. Where that was like the big news of, of, of the time. Um, and yep. so you've got this, this, uh, uh, this brilliant inventor named Dr. Hammersmith, mm-hmm. and he creates what he believes is going to be a perpetual motion machine, which brilliant. anybody who knows anything about science knows that is impossible uh, due to various physics things that I won't get into. Yeah. But anyways, uh, so he, he has essentially created a an infinite power source 
is what he's got. And uh, what it what it's supposed to do is siphon off this stuff he calls telluric energy, um, which is a complete made up pulpy term. I love. But I think it. so, it's fantastic. I, like, everything everything makes me roll my eyes so hard about the science in this game, and it's 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 brilliant because it makes me roll my eyes. Um, and uh, so it's supposed to pull off this stuff called telluric energy, which is essentially the raw potential of creation of the universe. It's not not to be confused with potential energy, which is an actual thing, but like literally stuff that hasn't been created yet, like stuff the universe has not even thought to conceive. Yeah, is what it draws off of. Right. And he, everybody gets together, all these rich people who want to see Doctor Hammersmith turn on his famous machine and change the world once yep. and for all. And it blows up, and it kills nearly everybody. Yep, <laughs> and very Doc Ock kind of moment. There's there's a lot of lot of confusion, and some of the main characters go missing for a period of time. And while they're all trying to figure out what's happening, they realize that the explosion of this Hammersmith machine um, has released a bunch of this telluric energy into the world, mm-hmm. and this has caused a number of people, some of which were the survivors of the Hammersmith experiment themselves, um, to be suffused with this. Uh, uh, telluric energy Mm -hmm. and become slightly greater than they were before they become what the what what we refer to as the inspired Mm -hmm. and these are your player characters these are also going to be like your main villains and such like that in the game because good people and bad people get telluric energy yep um and so uh that's that's your setting. And yeah. then Maxwell Anderson Mercer, who is a rich philanthropist, mm-hmm. um, does a jaunt through time, mm-hmm. because that's what his abilities gave mm-hmm. him, um, sees the future and sees how great things could turn out with the right guidance for humanity, comes back to the 1920s mm-hmm. and declares that he is going to use his grand fortune to begin the Aeon Society for Gentlemen. And ladies as well. He's very clear that gentleman is more of a societal term than it is a gendered term. Right. Um, but uh, – and, and there's – they're very uh, egalitarian. Okay. Yes. Eg- thank you. I could say that correct. Yeah. Egalitarian in their uh, – uh, in their – the ways that they, they exercise the, uh, you know, uh, the rules and stuff like that. Um, and basically they, they are there to go out and um, discover strange new things and find ways to guide humanity – to a greater, more inspired future. And so it's this very hopeful, very uplifting... Yeah, and I liked that about it. At the same time, there's a, there's a note that there's other things going on. That there's that the other side isn't necessarily as, as cut and dry as as you would think it would be. Mm-hmm. Like, the, the tone is there, definitely, between good and evil. But at the same time, the evil isn't just dumb silly evil yeah they have purpose and determination and they're at odds for good reason mm-hmm. you know they they have depth and breadth and that makes it different that makes it intriguing because oh, yeah. now you're like do i work for the good guy am i working at all for the good guy or mm-hmm. am i just doing my own thing you know so now it's Suddenly, gray is pretty much everywhere. I mean, it's it's kind of assumed that you'll be part of the Aeon Society, but they do actually put forth in the game system um, several other canon uh, groups that you could be a part of. Uh, you could be part of the Aeon Society mm-hmm. and part of a, you know associated with these other groups, or you could just be on your own doing mm-hmm. your own thing. I mean, they they sketch out a pretty good world yeah. for you know there's there's heroes and villains and other groups that maybe a little more gray area than that. Yeah, and I think that was what one of the things about pulp that really pulls it together is, is that it isn't just light and dark. Mm-hmm. It is this space in between where, you know, maybe the henchman of this place actually moonlights as an informant for one of the good guys yeah, sure. because they're friends from childhood, mm-hmm. you know, and, and now, you know, there, there's that area in between and helps fill the gaps. It's, it's one of those very tropey um, sort of storytelling styles. I really liked because it's, it's like your villains had a respectability to them mm-hmm. in those days. And yeah. you could, you could let the villain monologue a little bit, you mm-hmm. know, you could, you could, it was have disrespectful. A, otherwise you could have a drink with the, with the villain, you know, yeah. in some like 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 in James Bond yeah. movies, you know, you see him, you know, I want a martini, shaken, not stirred, and you know he goes and he he goes up to the bar and just talks to the to the big bad evil guy, and right, or plays have, a game with him, like cards it's or tense, whatever. Yeah, but they're kind of eyeing each other, and yep. they have like a standoff, and then you you I mean you know there's a there's an implied you know once this game is over the crap's gonna hit the fan, but, right? 
but there's a respectability to it. You yeah, know? Uh, I, I think um, an, another story that kind of has that same feel but doesn't sit in the same setting, uh, Wild Wild West, you know, mm-hmm. has that kind of you look at the villain and you understand them to a degree. Yeah. You know, and the conversations that can happen is because you have charismatic characters who understand what's going on, but not everybody's like that. You know, everybody has their purposes, you know, but it's, it's a different type of storytelling. And that's what makes white wolf different Mm -hmm. in that sense. Exactly. So let's get a little bit into what the actual game system is. Yeah. Okay. So how how, simple enough, What's the dice? Let's start with what we love. What's the dice? All right. So for anybody who knows White Wolf games, this Mm -hmm. is going to be very, very familiar to you. The core of it is still White Wolf. Okay. So you still got your nine attributes, your Mm -hmm. three physical, three social, three mental. Mm -hmm. You still got your batch of skills that go under it. You're going to be filling in dots one to five Mm -hmm. um, on things. And you're still going to be rolling a a, a handful of uh, 10-sided dice. Yeah. Not necessarily a bucket of them. Oh, no, no, no. But But what I'm saying is you can get to buckets. You can get to buckets um, because the game sometimes gets so over the top, even more so than World of Darkness. Yes. Because they want you to crush the numbers sometimes. It becomes flagrantly heroic ways. Much like 7C, where the idea of rolling 20d10 is a thing. Mm -hmm. Like, it's a heroic thing to be done. Yep. Now, you can still have failures within that. Sure. It's a little more challenging, but yeah. But keeping in mind, though, that this also didn't go off of White Wolf's um, World of Darkness system. There were some significant no. changes to how successes and such that were tallied up. Um, uh, and this was what they what they debuted as their storyteller system. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and so ones no longer detracted successes anymore. Um, your you had a static target number instead of a fluctuating target number, which was always, I believe, seven. Um, and uh, with cer- under certain certain circumstances, uh, tens counted for two successes. And you only ever botched if you rolled no successes and at least one one. Okay. Uh, so your your botches were a lot less frequent than they were in like an old school World of Darkness. Um, which of course you know again plays into the fact that you want your characters to su- succeed in this particular style of game. Um. So that's that's the basis for it right there. Um, now, typically in White Wolf games, you've got a number of clans or kiths or tribes or whatever. Um, not so in Adventure. You had three archetypes for your inspired character. Um, that was either a heroic character, which is a daredevil, a psychic character, which is a mesmer, um, or a dynamic character, which is a stalwart. Now, that sounds a little bit confusing, um, but they're actually very, very distinct. So daredevils. Daredevils are my favorite. Um, they are technically not superpowered. No. They don't have any abilities whatsoever. Right. Wink, nudge. Right, right. Um, if you witnessed a daredevil doing their work, um, uh, Indiana Jones is actually a great example of a daredevil. Um, because you don't look at dare, you don't look at Indiana and say, that man has superpowers. Right. However, he has a hat that never ever seems to fall off his head, and when it does, it always magically comes back to him. In some way. He can, he can retrieve it. He has a whip. This whip is magical. Yeah, oh, very it much It can, so. like, wrap around anything at mm-hmm. will and unwrap itself at will. It stays always wrapped. seems to be the right distance. It's, it it stays right wrapped exactly as long as it needs to, and it is exactly the, uh, the length he needs it to be to yep. wrap around something and still have enough slack to give him the distance. Right. Um, he can do things like swing from chandeliers, which are not meant to be load-bearing structures whatsoever, nope. Nope. which should tear in a shower of drywall entirely out of plaster and plaster <laughs> out of whatever or you know <laughs> ceiling that that it is bound to right. tenuously um, the moment a human's worth of weight is put on it. Right. But miraculously for him, they're just anchor points. Yep. They yep. don't ever budge, and he can just swing away at he them. He can also use it to knock things out of people's hands mm-hmm. and steal things from them and, and tear scars in their bodies, but at the same time, gingerly wrap it around a lady and draw her to him. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. N- <laughs> not harming a hair on her delicate no, head. Or, or yes. ruining any part of the literally, like, simple cloth dress that she is wearing, exactly. you know? Exactly. So this is what a daredevil is. Likewise, he has a pistol that has exactly six bullets, Mm -hmm. but all of those bullets have meaning. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) 
Um, and so a daredevil will have any number of uh, any number of abilities. Um, some of my more favorite notable ones from the book mm-hmm. are things like death defiance. <laughs> That's fantastic. Um, we'll get actually. You know what? I'm going to save death defiance. Save, for later. save that one. Uh, another one. Perfect privacy. Yeah. Perfect privacy is a, such a great little ability, but mm-hmm. it's 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 so subtle. Um, the flavor, the, all the all the stuff in White Wolf books typically has flavor text that goes with it to kind yeah. of show you an, a, a small, less than a paragraph example mm-hmm. of how the how the the, the 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 ability might play out. And the flavor text for um, perfect privacy is okay. So it's settled. We'll meet on <laughs> night. Yeah. Be and there. then, and then the waiter comes over and pours a bottle of of something right in front of their face, you know, while they're, you know, yes, well, I'm going to I'm gonna try to read their lips. Okay, you see them, you you start reading their lips, and they say, "All right, so the deal is that we're going to." And a waiter steps right in front of them. Yep. May I take your order? Oh yes, absolutely. You know, <laughs> yeah. Um. So it, it, what basically means is like you can't be spied on. Ever. Period. Don't ever roll dice unless you're another inspired trying to spy on this person. And even then, it is exceptionally difficult. Um, Like, if you are not an inspired character, it is impossible to spy on this person. Period. And that's that's a daredevil ability. You can't say that that's a superpower. No. But but here we are. It Um, is powerful nonetheless. uh, It's useful for things like uh, you've got um, uh, abilities that allow you to jury rig things. Uh, Your character was a daredevil um, when when we played for that short period of time. Yes. Um, And your character had one that was like uh, uh, unbeatable odds or something like that. Where like you actually became more powerful the more you were outnumbered in hand-to-hand combat. Yes. And the flavor text for that was like, oh, is this three against one? That doesn't seem very fair. Go get some friends. Exactly. (laughs) Um, so, uh, daredevils are fun because they're, like I said, they're, they're very, they're very subtle. Um, and they're just, they like, not even to the level of, um, Captain America, but they're no. just ordinary, but they're extraordinary. Yeah. Um, all right. So then you've got mesmers. Mes- mesmers are more like your, uh, the shadow, the phantom, um, you know, the ability to mystically cloud men's minds with ancient, you know, uh, psychic abilities that you learned in the Orient or something like that. Yeah. It was, you know? it was always vague about how you got them, whether you got them from a book or, you know, an ancient I tome. I trained or... under a Tibetan monk who right. taught me the ways of the mind. Right. And... Or, or you were touched in some way. Yeah. You know? Um, but the mesmers um, are essentially proto-psychics. Um, nothing, again, that is like – like you're, you're not going to turn into like Professor Xavier at any given time. But you can do subtle things like implanting suggestions or minor teleportation. Um, like I could maybe swipe a key off of a wall that I can see 10 feet away. Right. You know, and conjure it into my hands. Mm-hmm. Um or do just deal direct psychic damage to somebody by, you know, implanting, you know, a, a harsh, uh, uh, you know, psychic attack directly into their brain or something like that. But um, they were they were a lot of fun. Uh, they had a lot of a lot of really great, very really really flavorful abilities. Um, and then you have your dynamics. Here's your stalwarts. Uh, and stalwarts are, if you know, aberrant, who are the big bad superheroed people, uh, superpowered. Uh, your stalwarts are proto-novas. Um, probably the best person I can think of for this one is, like, James Bond, like, Jaws. Yes. I, I, strong, oddly strong. Oddly strong. Like, yeah. able to eat a gun strong. Odd job kind of fit in that as well. Because yeah. you could just take a hit from anything. Like, a, like literally a crowbar bent on him. Mm-hmm. A crowbar. Yeah. You yeah. know, solid forged metal bends when hit. But, you know? yeah, stalwarts, stalwarts of, of all different walks mm-hmm. um, have some sort of extraordinary physical abilities about mm-hmm. them. And it's not always, like, super strength or super, you know, super right. endurance or anything like that. But there's, you know, uh, a certain level of dexterity that's, that's there, a certain level of smarts that's also there. Um, and so these are the building blocks from which you're building your characters. Um which brings us kind of to super science was another thing that was in there. There was a whole set of rules in there for um, creating super scientific inventions because having robot servitors and mm-hmm. strange potions that mm-hmm. did interesting things and um, 
you know, all sorts of stuff like that is, is, or, or, you know, wiring up your, your car to, to be able to turn into a boat when you yep. push a button on the steering wheel, you yeah, know, jetpacks and, yeah. and, you know, the uh, rocketeer, you know, yep. was a, was, was a good spring you know. boots and like landing things and like, sure. you know, grav, grav gloves and things like that, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah, it was. It, there was. There was always a um, an element of super science in a lot of these pulp adventure stories. Uh, even like Dick Tracy had like a little radio watch and stuff like that. You that know? worked everywhere. That worked everywhere. Yeah. Um. So you know, you you, you saw it in all sorts of uh, different things, and so of course you, you're going to have players who want to be able to create this sort of mm-hmm. stuff. Um. And so your your daredevils don't really have a super science arc to them. They've got what's called jury rigging, right? Um, which is a special knack for them. Um, but your mesmers and your stalwarts both have a track to get super science, um, and become essentially mad scientists. Mm-hmm. Um, so you can create all sorts of, uh, all sorts of cool things like that. Um, your major, um, aside from your knacks though, your like your major sort of thing, thing that is your power source is your points of inspiration right um and so inspiration is a uh it's it's rare you're only really going to have two or three points of it maybe right. at, at character creation you may you may build it's up like more. seven seas drama it's yeah it's it's less rare than uh D D's inspiration and definitely carries more weight with mm-hmm. it um because it can affect more than just an it's not just for enhancing your powers right it is literally for changing things yeah now i mean some powers are powered with a point of inspiration some of the more 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 powerful ones yes yeah um influential i think that's a better way to put it yeah but uh one of the one of the biggest uses for inspiration is things uh uh, what we call dramatic editing Mm -hmm. uh now dramatic editing is uh probably one of your favorite Mm -hmm. um aspects of the game yeah uh so if you ever read pulp stories Mm mm-hmm You'll notice that uh, there are just strange coincidences that, mm-hmm. like, you go into a town and you're lost and you don't speak the language, and suddenly someone you know who does speak the language happens out of a bar just then as you're walking by. Short round. Yeah. You know, you happen and you have a contact there. Or um, the, the the big bearded guy from the first one. Um, oh, uh, yeah. Asps, very dangerous. Yes, yes. That, uh, somebody in the chat will pull it up. I can't think of it right now. Well, I, I, yeah, I don't remember his name. But but anyways, you, you yeah. know the guy, though. You know, yeah. Um, who, who just, again, happens to be there, happens to speak the language. You know, right. That's what your dramatic editing does yeah. for you. Like I okay. liked one of the ones that you first presented to us for dramatic editing, which was that, uh, you know, you're trapped in a building. It's on fire because the, you know, they've got, you know, the, the guy's goons are just outside the doors of the room that you're in, mm-hmm. you know, how are you guys going to get out? And someone's like, you know what? I'm going to spend a, a point of, uh, uh, of inspiration here. All right. How you doing it? Well, uh, I've got a background in architecture, and actually, when I was originally studying architecture, I studied the blueprints of this building. And in fact, there's an old elevator shaft that's right behind this wall that was used to lift a piano up to the 52nd floor, but they never removed it or brought it over. So if we just go right through this wall, we can go down that elevator shaft. Yep. And they're like, it's right there. Okay. <laughs> Give me a strength check to punch through the wall, and what do you know? Oh, there it there is. There is an old elevator shaft yep. back there. You know, and and that's but that's it, so what it allows you to do is it allows oh. your players to interject. Uh, oh, thank so, you, Overwatch. Overwatch Sala. Sala. Yeah. yeah. Um, uh, it allows the players to interject details mm-hmm. into the game yep. to create these odd coincidences. And there's, I mean, there's there's guidelines for you know the bigger the coincidence and the more beneficial it is for you. You can't just say like, oh, the villain's gun jams and it shoots him in the head. You know, or something like that, and we win. You know, it's not that style of dramatic editing, but smaller, more plausible, albeit very coincidental effects, you can just add. Uh, Your plane crashes in the Congo, um, and you're in the middle of the jungle, no, you know, no no food, no supplies, but what you've got on your bodies. Well, I'm going to point three points of inspiration into saying that there was an old army cargo plane that crashed just a little bit near here Mm -hmm. and it's going to have just enough food and rations to keep us safe for a couple days like oh what do you know (laughs) there it is covered in vines and everything you know yep um right where you left it (laughs) right or you just you happen to stumble upon it you know you're wandering through the jungle and lo and behold there it is you know yeah but that stuff happens all the time in pulp yep and so 
instead of the storyteller being dependent upon just giving you guys a leg up all the time, it leaves that sort of creative opening for the players to be doing that themselves. Now, I told you, I would come back to Death Defiance, that Daredevil knack. So one of the other things you can use your inspiration for is uh, to avoid death. You can use dramatic editing to, ex- uh, to explain why you don't die in a situation. So what Death Defiance does for you, first off, it requires eight points in willpower, and that's on a 10 scale. So that's... It's harsh. Alert. Um, and what Death Defiance allows you to do is, whereas only you would, you would normally only get two or three points to spend on dramatic editing to save your own life, Death Defiance allows you to use your willpower, which is a minimum of eight at this point, interchangeably with your inspiration yes to explain away your own death yep so even if the villain is standing on your corpse putting bullet after bullet after bullet from an automatic weapon into your head yes i would like to hear the story of how you lived yep and yep. make it good yeah I, I like the ones where it is you know uh well first off the rest of the group is seeing this through a doorway mm-hmm. and they can only see my feet and it's dark in the room, and the light of the gun is flashing. Yep. Now, what's really happening is I have moved uh, a, a another person's hand that was that had fallen next to me right over my face as the gun rips through, and as the bullets are ripping, blood is spattering everywhere, and he thinks he's just r- riddling me through, but really I'm only taking a few hits, mm-hmm. you know? And then the floor cracks right then, and he steps back, and it breaks, and I fall a full floor down, and debris rains on top of me. And there I lay unconscious <laughs> for the next 18 hours, yes. forgotten and presumed dead. And then a when dog. suddenly, yeah. <laughs> a dog shows up licking my face. And then somewhere in that tale, like, you wash up on a desert island, yeah. you know, you know. et cetera, et cetera, until... Or, or a group of homeless take you in, and you hide in a shelter, and... And I know it's been two weeks, but don't worry, guys, I'm back now. Yeah, everything's fine. With only this scar to show for it. That's right. So, uh, yeah, it's 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 a lot of fun. Um, even <laughs> gets into uh, uh, things like heroic backgrounds. And you wouldn't expect like backgrounds would be like the where the, the the place that you would see the the heroism come out. Yeah, backgrounds are things like resources and contacts and mm-hmm. like maybe a sanctum, you know, a, a place where you can you know call your own and whatnot. Um, but there are even uh, background enhancements in this. Was what they're called? Yeah, uh, they are level six. And the, so keeping in mind, backgrounds are on a five scale. Right. Okay. Um, and like five points in resources means you are just disgustingly rich yeah and you would have uh i'm trying to remember how it did for like effectively like layers there was something to that where you could have like a lab oh well we'll we'll get there yeah yeah, yeah. so so um so i'm just using resources as as a a common one because it's something i think everybody can can kind of uh you know latch onto is like so the the guy who lives you know who who has uh, you know 15 armani suits and has his own helipad and lives in the the penthouse apartment of the skyscraper Mm -hmm. and you know sees everything that goes on in the city that guy has five resources yeah i also saw that go ahead i'm sorry there is a sixth point in resources yes that you can get and Pretty much all of the backgrounds have a sixth, a a, a sixth point, an yeah. ominous sixth point, and like the sixth point in resources is called wealth beyond avarice. Yeah, and it's just like that Bruce Wayne level of like, yeah, um, I liked your country, so I bought it. Yeah, uh, I rule it now. Mm-hmm. You know, you can you can get away with that sort of stuff. Of yeah. Like, oh, you need a small loan of three billion dollars. Okay, I'll, I'll, I'll make can, a phone call. I'll see what I can liquidate. Liquidate. Yeah, give me give me a minute. Um, but then uh, you start getting into things like uh, 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 sanctum. Yeah, sanctum. sanctum that was like, the other so one, like yes. yeah, you would you would have like a a, a secret layer. Sure. You know, and sure, um, lots of like pulp heroes had secret layers and stuff. Like that. I mean, you have like the Punisher layers, which were really like old buildings that he had kind of crafted where sure. his space was at. So again, Sanctum yeah. was low on that one, scale. One or two points in Sanctum, sure. you'd have like an old, an old, you know, a secret area in an old abandoned building. I think if you got like up to like uh, four, it'd be something more like the Highlanders layer where, you know, it was like, oh, this is an antique shop here, but if I go up these stairs and down this elevator, yeah. now I'm in like this ancient, you know, 
fighting arena that's perfectly equipped and has weapons on everywhere yeah. and plus tons of artifacts and you know perfection thing you know in glass cases and absolutely shit. that would yeah. be like a four or a five yep there is a sixth point yes called sanctum sanctorum and it encourages you to just make shit up yep like if you ever wanted say oh i don't know a helicarrier that like has its own cloud generator and a lightning cannon to make it essentially look like a storm cloud for many, but you know, any of the untrained eyes. But you've got a whole fleet of, of you know, like airplanes up there and stuff like that with you, yeah. and you know, a whole crew of people and whatnot. Like, yeah, you can do that. Like, if you wanted a skull shaped mountain with a volcano and you know, you know, laser turrets and you know, ill tempered sea bass. Um, <laughs> Then you can absolutely have that with Sanctum Sanctorum. Like it is literally like make make your dream lair and then get a little extra with it, and that's what you've got. Yeah, because... you have a, you have a uh, underwater base that is uh, you know only accessible by deep sea sub. Uh huh. Which of course you have, or, or the deep sea sub itself right. could be the Sanctum Sanctorum. Oh yeah, totally. Like, like Captain Nemo's mm-hmm. you know Nautilus. The Nautilus is a perfect Sanctum Sanctorum. Um, you know, but there, but there were things like that. There, uh, like cipher. Cipher was another background in there. Uh, it's the ability to have a secret identity, and then once you get up to like six, it's just like Clark Kent syndrome. You can literally put on a pair of glasses, and people will forget who you were, um, because you wanted to hide it. And mm-hmm. the inspiration in the world, the telluric energy, just says, "Okay, I'll let that happen." And so people just kind of forget that you look totally the same with the glasses, but here you are. Um. And that's that's adventure in a nutshell. Uh, a lot of the um, uh, all of the the storytelling um, systems in it help encourage the pulp style gameplay. And that that almost um, super heroic kind of uh, cheer on your your players, cheer yeah. on their characters. Make it crazy. And this is, this is a game system really where, like, you know, we, we've talked a lot about mood and, and we've we've said the word hope a lot. You know, there, there's a lot of games out there where you're going to get into the gritty realism and it's going to kind of encourage the, the sort of, you know, storyteller versus player environment where you kind of want to, you know, beat them and inconvenience them and stuff mm-hmm. like that. This isn't it. This yeah. isn't the game system. This, this is the game system when somebody rolls 18 successes, you're supposed to smile and laugh and say, you know what? That's awesome. Let me tell you just how cool this turns out. Yeah, it is. Uh, it is definitely. I mean, I'm, we'll tell you all the things that it's not. It is not tactical. Mm-hmm. There are tactics involved in it, but it is not a tactical game. You're not going to have minis moving across. Your fight sequences are going to go relatively quickly. Yeah, they may be long in a dramatic sense, where you know more goons come in and maniacal laughter from behind you know plate glass a chase that, scene where you know, there's goons hanging out firing their tommy guns at yeah. you while you tip over uh vegetable carts in their way exactly exactly they the, roll over and somehow explode yes <laughs> that that was another thing that, there was everything another, explodes it's another daredevil yeah. knack yeah yeah everything must explode kind of a thing yeah but and that's the whole thing is is that you want it to feel larger than life at all times mm-hmm. that a scene goes from you know swanky and sexy kind of yeah. movements into something ridiculous the the one of the opening sequences i think uh um that uh temple of doom mm-hmm. where it goes from you know this swanky scene with a singer and you know gambling yeah. to a fight sequence that then leads to a chase sequence you uh-huh. know and it it just kind of it's that kind of evolution you want your sequences to flow and have that kind of level of fun and a little bit of hijinks mm-hmm. you know comedy is part of it definitely yeah but it's not that the forefront yeah so yeah um I wanted to talk just kind of a little bit briefly just about uh, like some of the characters that were in our game mm-hmm. to kind of give you an example of like some of the characters that this game system encourages. Uh, so your wife, Vicky, uh, played – I still cannot get over how great this name was. Mm-hmm. So she was styled off of the Matahari, which if yes. you've never heard of this person, look her up. Look her up. She's amazing. Yep. A real-life character who was both movie star and spy. Um, and that is precisely where this, uh, where, where Vicky, uh, uh, made her, um, her character strengths in both, uh, charisma and acting and such like that, but also in the clandestine arts and named her character Gracie Demure. The perfect name. Just the perfect name for this character. Um, 
another character was uh, uh, proposed, proposed, but unfortunately not played by one of our friends uh, named Dr. Gene Splicer. Yes. And I think, like, this is any other game if somebody said, my character's name is Dr. Gene Splicer, I'd have rolled my eyes. And then I've been like, that's really funny. Pick a, pick a serious name, though, you know? Yeah, 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 yeah. This is the game. You pick that name. Always. 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 You know? <laughs> um. But one of the things that, like, we, we, we kind of we're, – we're saying, you know, this is what the system does. Mm-hmm. This is not going to be a system if you want – and this is so true. If you have someone who is very rule and order-based, they might have a lot of problems with this system because it's hard to think about a min-max when really you're playing the max. Yeah. Your character is going to be pigeonholed to some maximizing. Mm-hmm. In a, in a direct way, you're leaning into that character's thing. Like the the Rocketeer was a kid with a jetpack, basically, sure. who was probably a decent scrapper, but not great at it, uh-huh. but could think his way out of problems. Yeah, he was that's, a, he was a daredevil with six points in gadget. Right, what he was, and, and that's what was good about yeah. it. Like he fixed a problem with bubble gum, like uh-huh. <laughs> that kind of a thing. But the whole idea was that it was meant to be something pigeonholed, whereas like. Someone who's trying to tactically be everything and do everything is, is not going to have a good time. They're gonna, not going to enjoy it. If they're trying to think of the, the best tactical way to get through a scene, they're going to be struggling to try and figure that out. Yeah, the real the real fun in this game is uh, uh, is is kind of forming your team. Mm-hmm. You know, is is kind of team building of going like, okay, uh, like we we had um, your character was uh, Seamus Finnegan, the, uh, the the just the the Irish Bruiser. Yep, that's all he was. Just a good Real... old Irish Bruiser in a in a bowler cap and yep. with the suspenders and the rolled up sleeves, and that's all he did was he drank whiskey and he punched people, he, he, and he was very good at he it. He was very good at his job, <laughs> and he was very good at his job. Um, we had Elamay Hawkins, which is actually uh, uh Elamay, um, one of our Patreons. Yep, uh, is Elamay Hawkins? Is Elamay where where she got the name from? Was Elamay yep. Hawkins? Uh, and she was a she was the team's wheelman but yeah. she wasn't she wasn't the wheelman she was a barnstormer yeah she was a biplane pilot who who could pilot anything, anything. <laughs> but her biplane was her baby was her baby yep um uh and uh so here we had dr lawrence critcher who had mm-hmm. a who was a uh, cryptozoologist who had a uh i wouldn't even say it was a pet yeti because the yeti really wasn't his pet it was more of his partner um uh, we had uh, Jingli Zhai, the Jade Dragon Princess, very tropey. Um, yes, perhaps a bit racist, but uh, but but very tropey. Um, uh, she had uh, the ancient ancestral green dragon sword uh, that could like cut through anything and you know all sorts of stuff like that. Uh, and it was just it was just great, just having everybody had their own little niche. You know, you knew if you had a social situation, Gracie Demure and Dr. Critcher were going to be the high society, highfalutin top hat wearing people to go do that for you. If people needed to be punched, well, you call Seamus. And maybe call in Dr. Critcher's Yeti. <laughs> he was pretty good at that, too. That was awesome. Jing yeah. um, Li Zhai, of course, with the sword play and stuff. It was just, it was just great. Just yeah, it was, it was a odd League of Extraordinary Gentlemen kind of feel without the exceptionalist i mean because there was in league of extraordinary gentlemen you've got miss you've got things beyond yeah dr jekyll and mr Hyde. right you've got a vampire yep. you've got you know but if you remove those you you basically have good adventure characters mm-hmm. you have you know the wealthy hunter you yeah. know you you've technically got an alchemist who's got some problems sure you know uh you've got you've got a super science character yeah. um you've got a i would say a combat twink character mm-hmm. um in in the uh the vampire uh lady i forget who she was the bride of dracula yes uh bride of dracula and then you had uh, the invisible man who could easily just be a mesmer yeah with the you know the the, the ability to cloud men's minds yeah he's always invisible mhm or or is maybe he? he isn't and he's in the room and you just don't realize it but oh, his voice he throws his voice so well that you think he's there, mm-hmm. you know. Uh, you had Dorian Gray. I, I Dorian Gray is one that's he's a stalwart. He's a, he would definitely be a stalwart. He's a stalwart. Yeah, yeah. He's a stalwart with a bunch of with a bunch of uh, like super endurance sort of stuff. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I just I, it was it, but that that's what you're bringing together this risky group that is yeah. weird but fits when adventure calls them. Uh huh. So. 
Uh, so yeah, it doesn't it doesn't do your tactical stuff very well. And much honestly, it's it's probably the same list of pros and cons as most White Wolf games. Yeah. Um, you're not going to do tactical very well. It's a very heavy, heavily narrative, yeah. heavily storytelling game system. And I think that's another thing that it doesn't do well is that if you're planning on going into adventure and running a quick game with your friends as a storyteller, mm-hmm. you, you're you're going to have to think again. There's going to be an investment here that's a little beefier. I think in a lot of ways you've really you're not going to be out thinking your players, but you've got to have a bit more story because they're going to move through it. Yeah, yeah, I think that's one thing that is 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 very different from a from a storyteller aspect is is that much like Seven C, like I really have to think about the story and where all of the other elements of the story are going a lot harder scene to scene mm-hmm. because it is very much scene to scene. Yeah. And those scenes should be crafted and beautiful and incorporate all these weird people being there. Right. You know, right. you're you're writing stories that are effectively like the the TV show Leverage. Yeah. And tying it all together and sometimes that takes a lot and it yeah. can be a little draining. It's not a, it's not a game that you're going to deal with the day-to-day minutia like you would in a D&D game. You know, you're not going to be camping and taking watch for the night. It's going to be very much like, okay, so you guys arrive via Zeppelin at the Grand Washington Hotel and, you know, uh yeah, lights camera action from there. Um so yeah, you do I I mean it, I I think if you're going to story you can storytell it um you know, however you want, obviously, but I think this is a game that really leans into the theatrics, and it thrives the more extra the storyteller gets. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and, and I will flat out say it, Sarah, it, you ruined me for it. Like, sorry. I don't know how I'm going to enjoy it any other way, but... It, it was beautiful. It was yeah. a great opening to that. I wish everyone would have that. I, I truly do. I definitely think when, when we get done with the, with the D&D campaign that I'm running right now... Correct, I, back I, to adventure? I've definitely got to go back to adventure. Fuck yeah, like, fantastic. So many people, so many people mm-hmm. are just, just waiting, just drumming their fingers at me. Mm. Yeah, yeah, so, worth it, worth it. All right, we got questions. Yeah, we got questions. We got we got ten minutes left, so let's, let's, let's do let's this. Let's do some questions in here. Um, All right. So go ahead and go ahead and grab one here. Uh, Knox asks in ab- in our aberrant game, you banned the power of time travel. Could you talk about the exact issues a DM might run into with this concept, and maybe solutions for DMs that do want to include it in their stories? Yeah, sure. Um, so time travel is a uh, it's one of those one of those abilities that just allows you to play around with the story too much. Mm-hmm. Um. And uh, can cause. I mean, honestly, there's whole there's whole genres of science fiction that talk about the repercussions and the execution of time travel and yeah. how it works. I mean, how Avengers Endgame or was it? What was an Endgame? It was uh, Avengers Infinity War. Infinity War. Was it Endgame or Infinity War? It, it was in. Regardless. No, 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 no. It was Endgame. That was they Endgame. went. Through, they did yeah. all the time travel yeah. stuff. I mean, they. I mean, they got into it there. Yeah. You know, with, with all the all the complications and stuff of that of it. Yeah. So, um. Honestly, first off, it, it it causes way too many complications if you allow it. Um, but secondly, um, it's one of those ones where I, I find that if if your player is clever enough, they will always have a leg up on you. Yes. And I, as a storyteller, I greatly dislike my players having a leg up on me. Um, I've had a number of bad experiences with it. And hey, look good if you can get the leg up on me that's fine like i'm not saying you can't come up with clever ideas around me and outthink right. me that's that's fine but i've had a number of bad experiences where where players have circumvented me and then just been really smug about it and i right. just like they just kind of ruin the game for me and kind of ruin the game for everybody by just destroying all the drama instead of leaning into it right you know? right just to, i'm here to tell a story just play the story yeah you know yeah. don't don't treat my story like a Rubik's cube and try to disassemble it in the most dastardly way possible. So you can feel smug about quote unquote winning, you know, don't troll the game. And that's what I find time travel allows you to do. Mm -hmm. Instead of having to deal with things within the story, it allows you to just edit the story. However the hell you want. If you're, if you're clever enough to, and uh, that's why I've ended it. I agree with it. I've seen it in other games. I've seen how it's been, how it's been failed. I think successfully, as long as you set very strict rules, mm-hmm. um, you know, you can't alter the future. You know, you can't alter the past to dictate mm-hmm. the future. It has to be something in canon. Um, also, you can't be in the same space that you're that you occupy. Mm-hmm. Meaning, if you're even in the same room, it doesn't work. Mm. You know, things like that. You set some of those types of rules. 
then your players get a chance to explore it a little bit and use it as a divination tool. Yeah. And yeah. that can be different, or leaving things for themselves. Oh, yeah. As, and as then a, you get a Bill and Ted's kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. As, as like a divination tool, or, or use the, you know, like, I'm going to leave the one the one tool that I need that I don't have right now. I mean, okay, I could kind of see that. But I, for, for me personally, I just find that it causes too many problems, and I haven't seen good enough executions to justify its inclusion. Yeah. So that's... let's do one more before we get too far wrapped here. Uh, all right. So Overwatch asks, uh, with games like Adventure that don't follow everyday fantasy or sci-fi tropes, what are some good ways to get players, especially new players, in tune with specific, uh, sp- specific and unique setting? Um, so when going into Adventure, I always suggest my players watch Sky Captain in the World of Tomorrow. Yeah, it's a great way to start it. I would say uh, if it was me, I just like 7C... If I was prepping them for a specific adventure type, mm-hmm. I would find stories and characters, throw those to, into a little montage for them. Maybe maybe give them a couple YouTube links to watch and be like, okay, this is what we're going after. And really take those session, that session zero or several session zeros to make sure that their characters fit adventure mm-hmm. and fit your world really well so that they can come together. Um, I think it's important. And milk runs are super important for those types of games. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and, you know, it definitely uh, sit down. Session zero is pretty, pretty good for a, a uh, you know, when, when you are putting something this unique in front of them, mm-hmm. um, really to kind of clear up any of those common misconceptions or questions or things like that. Um, maybe even, you know, like I said, you know, I, I would always suggest watching Sky Captain of the World tomorrow just because it is such a great visual reference and such a great storytelling reference for what pulp style um, is and feels like. Uh, maybe even turn it into a viewing party. Yeah. You know? Sit down, talk about pulp, talk about your character ideas, and then watch the movie. And then and then discuss what your character ideas are because you might have gotten some, some inspiration out of it. So one question that came up, uh, and I wanted to hold it to the end, was that Knox had asked, is Flash Gordon space pulp? Would it fit? And I went and thought about it. And I'm like, I don't think so. He could be an adventure character, but I think it sits. It is. It is pulp to agree, but I want to say it's actually comedy. It's it's going into campy. I don't know enough about Flash Gordon, honestly, because I think I think I I don't like camp, and I don't like it campy fits, stuff. It fits pretty camp. I I think if you look at the more serious comics of Flash Gordon, mm-hmm. yes, it is space pulp. I mean, literally take the space aspect out of it, and it's the sure. same thing. There's sure. no difference. If you look at like what they did with it in live action versions, mm-hmm. uh, it is 100% camp. Yeah, like yeah. they're they're pushing the nth so. degree of camp. Like they're playing football in space. Sort of. It's really not working out well. Uh, so so anytime that you've got situations like that, I think that you want to uh, kind of gauge back from the space stuff. Mm-hmm. It isn't, adventure is not in that area. There are versions of Aeon that are definitely sit there, but I think when you start stepping into that, you start stepping into other elements. I'm not saying you can't have aliens. Yeah, you can have you can have space Nazis from the dark side of the moon. That's fine. Yeah, but at the same time, you know, you, you can have alien tech, definitely, mm-hmm. be an explained away version of something. So I feel that there is, there's room to work with things like that, um, but I, I, I think to a degree that you've got that. Like, uh, John Carpenter and, and Mars was kind of adventure Hmm. Um, but at the same time, you know, it's space and it's fun, but keep in mind, it's an, it's heroes being heroes against villainy. Yep. And that's really the key of adventure. So. All right. Next week we're talking about, uh, it's the best way to bring a new game to the table. Will Rob and Sarah do more system spotlights? What topic will they cover next? Find out next time on Storyteller Conclave. For more great Storyteller Conclave content, consult at st underscore conclave on Twitter or st underscore conclave on Instagram. Listen to Storyteller Conclave live every Wednesday night at 7 p.m. Eastern Time at mixlr.com slash storyteller conclave. Find out more and join the discussion on Discord at storyteller conclave.blueberry.net. That's Blueberry, B-L-U-B-R-R-Y. Storyteller Conclave would like to extend our very special thanks to our kind Patreons, who make this show possible, including Knox in a Box, Sam, and the Arcane Asylum. 
tonight's intro music was Moonbeams, as performed by Joseph Samuels Music Makers. Our outro music is Old Lang Sane, performed by Prince's Band. As always, our warmest thanks to the families of our hosts, Vicky and Sean, as well as the friends who have graced our gaming tables throughout the years. And of course, each and every one of our listeners. We love you, and good night. This concludes tonight's broadcast. Thank you.